Hello, peoples, and welcome to Esoterica Cinema, the show where we typically take two films from the cinematic universe and discuss the hell out of them, but not today. Today's another half episode. If you haven't listened to us before, a half episode is where we just take a look at one film instead of two, and as such, there's no comparison feature, but you do still get the fake commercial comedy sketch at the end of the show, so make sure when the show's over that you stick around for that. Got a good one for you here this week. Once again, for anybody that hasn't listened to us before, we do take an in-depth look at the films that we discuss here on this show, and as such, there will be spoilers, so if you haven't seen the film, feel free to stop this program right now, go ahead and check it out, then come back and join us. If you're the type that doesn't mind, because you don't plan on seeing this film, you can still stick around, and we're going to discuss the plotline for you so that you can follow along. With that out of the way, let's get to the show. My name is Jason Peters, and joining me today is the one, the only, Mr. Ryan Siebold. What's going on, Ryan? What's up, Jason? <laughs> What's going on, buddy? I love the Thanks stadium for having intro. Me again. You can't get rid of me. Oh, I'm back, baby. <laughs> you're just you're you're gum at the bottom of my shoe, dude. It doesn't matter how much I try to scrape you on the concrete, like you just stay there. Yeah, but I'm some good ass gum, baby. I'm like that. <laughs> That big league chew you haven't had since kid, like you were a kid. Oh, yeah. It's it's true. I'm you nostalgia are nostalgia gum. Yeah, you're kind of like a really dependable piece of bubble yum, like the grape. And and surprisingly, after all these years, you still haven't lost your flavor. Go figure. Yeah, yeah. I'm like the gum that the Rocketeer used to like seal up his jetpack. That's what the guy, I'm like. I'm that that good of gum. I'm the glue that holds the jetpack of this show together. buddy I would hate to do the show without you I love having you around I love talking movies with you We've got a pretty good one this weekend Or at least something good to discuss Why don't you uh, let our listeners know what's in store for them Today we are talking about Booksmart Uh, This this was a movie Um, (laughs) I I was really, really, really torn on this one I don't know about you uh, but let's get right into it. Apple, uh, iTunes, whatever, uh, describes this as a fresh, unfiltered, modern comedy. Disagree. Uh, <laughs> best, friend, <laughs> best friends and academic overachievers, Amy and Molly, realize they've missed out on all the fun during high school. So on the eve of graduation, they decide to make up for lost time with one wild adventure and a coming-of-age story about the meaningful bonds we create. Also starring Jason Sudeikis. Will Forte, and Lisa Kudrow. Jason, what did you think about this movie? Yeah, well, I mean, it did have some good uh, cameos there by some of the people. I liked seeing Jason Sudeikis. And, uh, I um, love Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so, do. Um, I love that guy. Oh, no, yeah, no. Everything he's in is, is great. It's it's one of those – he's one of those people where I kind of wish he was in better movies because he doesn't always appear in yep. great movies. But I'm always happy yep. to see him. Like, every single time Absolutely. he's a welcome presence. So. Uh, I, yeah. I forget who the, the actor or actress we were talking about recently, but uh, there was someone we mentioned where we felt like uh, every movie they're in is better for them being having oh, been. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about because I was thinking it myself. It was uh, John C. Riley in the Lobster episode. John C. Riley with the Lobster. Yep. Okay, great. Yeah, that's he's definitely one of them. Yeah, no, uh, he, he's right there with one of those people. Yeah, I think uh, it sounds like we may have had a similar response to this film. I can't say that I loved it, but I didn't hate it either. I'll tell you what, Ryan, before nope, we get into didn't it. didn't hate it either. Before we get into it, why don't I go ahead and play a trailer just for the listeners in case anybody hasn't seen it or it's been a little while just as a refresher. Here's the trailer for Booksmart. Good morning, winner. 
Take a deep breath. Visualize the mountain of your success and look down at everyone who's ever doubted you. Fuck those losers. Fuck them in their stupid fucking faces. Are we gonna go to school or? What's two plus two? Isn't it crazy that it's the last day of school? Are you kidding me, Samantha? Go talk to her. She's got a really cute smile. Amy, do you know how many girls are gonna be up your vagina next year? Every time I come to visit you, you're gonna be scissoring a different girl. Dude, scissoring is not a thing. Don't knock it until you tried it. Don't knock it until you tried it. It's the last day. We got you through high school. I need to go over the end of the year budget numbers. Can't we just graduate, head off to college? That should do it, right? We will persist. I can't hear you. I can't soundproof glass. We have to go to a party tonight. What? Nobody knows that we are fun. We didn't party because we wanted to focus on school and get into good colleges. And it worked. But the irresponsible people who partied also got into those colleges. I'm incredible at hand jobs, but I also got a 1560 on the SATs. We haven't done anything. We haven't broken any rules. Name one person whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. Picasso. He broke art rules. Rosa Parks. Name another Susan one. Susan B. Anthony. God damn it. Picture this. I'm a bag of dicks. Put me to your lips. Hand sanitizer. Check. Chapstick. Check. Mace. Listen, it is very important that you keep the safety. Seems excessive. Shotgun. Just kidding. I don't have one. Don't say we're having a date night. Why? It's funny your parents think we're boning. What you two have is fashion. We are gonna show each other how much we care about each other. We'll probably just do a Korean face mask. I don't need to know all the words. So Ryan, here's what I will say. I really enjoyed that trailer, even back when it came out before. For whatever reason, this was one of those films that I just didn't get around to. And I always wanted to see the film. It was kind of marketed as like a, a you know a female-driven Superbad. But that's another thing that I'll say. I didn't really like Superbad, man. I really, really didn't. Yeah, no, like everybody loves Superbad. Did, 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 did you? I did, I did. It came out and it, it was like the, the, the sweet spot... For me, uh, I'm trying to think of what year that came out, but whatever it was, I was just the perfect age for that movie where it would like played on my high school nostalgia and my young, you know, partying days and all of that. So, um, you know, and, and it was, uh, the, you know, Judd Apatow and like that whole crew, um, we hadn't really been over provided their services yet. Uh, <laughs> it was still kind of, he was the new. Yeah, that was one of the the early ones, right? And that that to me was one of the one of my favorite uh, Apatow comedies, more than Knocked Up or any of those. Uh, it was the least formulaic to me. The least um, like some of those movies can just seem like a collection of funny scenes slapped together to form a full story, and that mm-hmm. was the first cohesive story, start to finish, that felt like a movie to me. Out of that kind of camp, I don't know. I will give you that. I mean, it was a, a well-told story in that regard, but everybody just thought it was really funny in a way that I personally didn't. But 
Another thing that I'm kind of wondering now after my response to this film is that maybe I just don't love like high school comedies anymore. Maybe it's just something I'm too far removed from in my right. old crotchety man state where I just can't appreciate. Cause, yeah, like, but were you that way? Were you that way for for super bad though? Because that came out uh, quite a while ago. You were probably still in high school when that came out. Maybe that. Was, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was right after. Because one. so here's the funny thing. I remember being in high school and I remember loving American Pie. That that still to this day is like one of my all time favorite theatrical experiences. Okay. One of those times where you show up on like an opening weekend with just the perfect crowd at the perfect time and like every single person in 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 the audience is into it and everybody's laughing at all the same parts and just making it funnier and I loved can't hardly wait growing up if you recall Ryan because you shot my student film way back in the day it was a had a little touch of can't hardly wait to it uh in a little in in certain ways so obviously to your point I did appreciate those types of films when I was younger I suppose but I don't know man it was always hit and miss too because I also was never really one of those like summer camp sort of guys either you know so I did like certain movies that took place in school but I also didn't care for like meatballs and heavyweights and, you know, back to school and all those things. So I don't know, man. I think I just kind of maybe not in love with the whole school comedy formula. I don't know. This this movie to me, uh, Booksmart was Can't Hardly Wait, like to a T. This was equal parts Can't Hardly Wait and um, super bad to me. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Maybe you did. Molly in the film, uh, played by Beanie Feldstein, is in fact Jonah Hill's sister. Yeah, like, I know the because every single time her face showed up, I was like, "Wow, it's chick Jonah Hill!" <laughs> like <laughs> she looks so much like they do look him very, very to the point that it's distracting, man. And it was like I didn't know it right away, but I was like, "I have to look this up." They're at least cousins. <laughs> Or, or, else, be a <laughs> or else this was some sort of like Andy Kaufman like play by Jonah Hill where he like digitally, you know, gender swapped his face and didn't tell us about it and was like going to gotcha us after the fact or something. Because, yeah, splitting image between Miss Feldstein and who I assume is Mr. Feldstein, a.k.a. Jonah Hill. Correct. You would uh, you would assume that correct. I believe his name is in fact Jonah Hill Feldstein or something like that. And their older brother, uh, rest in peace to the to the uh, gentleman, was the uh, longtime manager of Maroon Five. He oh. brought us Maroon Five to the world. Well, aren't so they aren't they, are they a talented big, dynasty? They are one big happy talented family. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so uh, because it was so close to super bad, because it was Jonah Hill's uh, sister playing the Jonah Hill part. It was just really hard for me to separate this movie from that movie. And uh, I will add and turn this around by saying that uh, I really wanted to like this movie. I did. I wanted to kind of like rekindle my flame for these kinds of movies. I love Olivia Wilde. Uh, I, I love Olivia Wilde. I think she's an amazing human being. She just seems like, and I love Jason Sudeikis. That's her husband. Um, I love everyone in this film. But at Will Forte, Lisa Kudrow, um, I mean, Carrie Fisher's daughters uh, in this, Billy Lord. So uh, there's a lot of good stuff about this, a lot of good pieces. Uh, I had just seen it all before. Pair that with the fact that I am getting old and the high school stuff just doesn't land with me uh, like it used to. I, it's really hard for me to like 
and it, and some of the love scenes too. Like, it's oh gonna yeah, be, like some of that stuff was really <laughs> uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> We're gonna get into that. I'm glad you brought it up because that's actually one of the notes I was gonna ask you about that. So I already know exactly what you're talking about, and we will certainly get to that. Yeah, I'll tell you what, buddy. I'm actually looking at about 12 minutes on the ticker here, and we haven't even started to explain this film. So let's go ahead and jump into this a little bit, okay? So that uh, we can actually start to back up a little bit of the things that we're talking about here, okay? Fair. Okay. When we start off in this movie, we're introduced to the Molly character, who's played by Benny Feldstein, the Jonah Hill sister. And, you know, right off the bat, we we see that they're she's very charming. And, and we're introduced to her friend Amy, and they obviously have a very sort of loving and playful relationship, the way that they sort of fawn over each other. When uh, Amy goes to pick up Molly at the very beginning in the early scene, after she's uh, that was actually a funny scene though when she's oh, the opening meditation where she's like listening to the Michelle Obama part. We we heard it in the trailer where she's like fuck those people if they don't like. It's just funny to hear Michelle Obama say that. But um, but you know they obviously have a really playing sort of relationship. It's very charming. They dance in the the lawn before they go to school, and right away though we do sort of get the traditional setup. So. You know, they do get to school and it's senior year and everyone's about to graduate. And we see a lot of the sort of lonerish, nerdish aspects, you know, they're getting shoved into by some of the different students. And they're obviously not popular because we don't really see them hanging out with other people. And Ryan, I wanted to ask you this. So the sense that I got with this film, because it sort of immediately embraces a lot of the tropes, but then at the same time, it sort of has developed this relationship and you sort of even just get a sense from the tone that it kind of wants to play against those tropes and sort of turn them on their head a little bit. However, I felt like this movie wanted to do that, but didn't do that effectively. To me, the movie kind of really played into the tropes more than against them. And I, and, and I want to see if you felt the same way or if you did a, if you thought it did a good job playing against them or if it was even intended to. Well, first off, Jason, I, I want to apologize because it is literally horror movie style raining and thundering outside. So if you're at home, <laughs> uh, at home uh, listening to this or on your, or your daily commute and you're like, what's going on with Ryan's mic? Uh, it, I'm moving right now. Um, we ha- have a lot of studio equipment, Jason and I, but uh, I do not have a proper studio set up yet. So bear with me, guys. I'm doing yeah. the best. I can. Well, and you're, and you're over there in the Tampa, here. which is, you know, known for the occasional am, yeah. sort of thunderstorm or you know, storm, storm related essential. weather yeah, yeah, yeah. report. Yep. Yep. So uh, that's that. That was Ryan with the weather. Uh, <laughs> back to Jason with back the, to, the entertainment. Back to the entertainment report. So, yeah. So I'll, then I'll go ahead and answer your question, which I'll answer your question with a question. You said that this was trying to play against those tropes and such. Was it? It was trying to play against them because I thought this was just a a template, you know, square peg, square hole, insert, move on, you know, to the next scene kind of situation. You think that this was playing against it or trying to turn it on its head? And if so, in what way? Okay, so so here's my thing. I think that I think that it tries to do so in sort of a long game respect. Okay, I think that it introduces a lot of very sort of typical tropes, right? So you get the sort of cool principal with Jason Sudeikis. You get the slutty teen, which is the girl they call AAA because she gave roadside service to three dudes and like blew them in the car or something like that, or so goes her reputation. And uh, there's you know the ostensibly lesbian skater chick. You know that's Ryan, the girl that. Amy, I believe, yeah, Amy is in love with, or at least pining for, 
You know, we've got the bratty rich girl. We've got the well-dumb, the well-meaning dumb rich kid with Jared. And so, but the thing is that I think that by the end of the movie, it's trying to say that like, oh, we're better than that because it, it doesn't progress in the way you expect to, right? So the principal ends up not being cool, you know, because he has to, maybe still cool, but he still has to like drive for Lyft, which was a funny scene, by the way. Um, but, you know, he's still doing that to sort of make ends meet. These, you know, slutty teen, the AAA girl, ends up, you know, having a really nice justification by the end when her and Molly sort of bond. And, you know, the the lesbian girl does you know, uh, record scratch, turns out not to be a lesbian, even though everything about her says she is. Like, um, so I think that, you know, and even the, the, the dumb rich kid, Jared, ends up getting with Molly, who's like the smart kid. So, like, I don't know. I think that it tried. I think... I guess that was kind of the point of my question and the way that I feel about this film is that it tries to have its cake and eat it too, right? I think that it tries to both play in and against. And I think that ultimately that works to the film's detriment because it's kind of like you're you're fence riding at that point, right? You know, like it's kind of, you haven't really, like I said, you're trying to do both things, but you're not really doing either. It's kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like a brookie, man. I I don't know how you feel about brookies. But, like, they're those half brownie, half cookie things. And every single time I get super excited because it's like, dude, you've got a cookie and a brownie and you're bringing them together and you think it's going to be the best of both worlds, but it's actually not. You just get an inferior cookie experience paired with an inferior brownie experience. So if you could just, you know, make your decision and go full (laughs) brownie or cookie, you're going to get a really rich experience from that. But by trying to have both, you sacrifice both. And then you end up with a mediocre experience, which is what we have here. So, yeah, I'm going to disagree. I think this is just... (laughs) I think every you love every, rookies. I mean, is I that what's going, going on here? You disagree with me about rookies yeah, and nothing do. to do with the film? I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm more yeah. Cookie brownies. I'm a cookie brownie guy. Um, but I think every generation has a movie like this. Uh, whether it's American Pie, Can't Hardly Wait, uh, Super Bad. Before the uh, any of those were sit was movies like uh, Sixteen Candles. Uh, you had Animal House in the '70s to kind of kick the whole thing off, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like every generation, you know, kind of has this little uh, throwback or hearkening to high school and or college and their party days and all of that. So uh, I just think it was a, a retelling, man. It was just the same old thing, I, you know, in a new way, because it's a new age with new characters to tell the same story through. So the vehicle is different, but it's um, in a lot of ways, it felt like uh, watching a NASCAR race. You know, the drivers may change, the cars are different colors, but you're still just going around in circles up in Daytona, you know, over round and round again. And so uh, how is that exciting or any different? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I very, I, very strange. I, I agree with you. And, and that's... I thought the Jared character, for example, uh, the Jared character was a direct uh, lift from the Seth Green character and can't hardly wait. All quirky with like the weird outfits and trying too hard. Learns in the end if he just chills out, he can get the girl. Um, you know, uh, and can't hardly wait played by Lauren Ambrose. Um, you know, these are things that I had seen already. Now, uh, I've said all this, let me go ahead and unwind and say that. Can you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. You get over there, buddy. It's, it's bananas. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. Uh, wow. I can hear that over here. Do another I can hear that all the way over yeah. here in Los Angeles, bro. That's exactly how loud yeah. it was. Yeah, through my crappy headphone mic, uh, <laughs> so it's really being picked up on my microphone. So I apologize. Damn. 
So I feel like if this is, um, you know, for this generation, you know, that may not have seen some of these earlier movies, or maybe those movies don't resonate with them, uh, or they, they read as classics. Like, I hate to say it, Jason, we're getting old, man. So movies like <laughs> Can't Hardly Wait, American Pie, you know, for kids that are just going into college right now, they're, they're looking at that. And, uh, you know, that's like, the, to them, that is literally as far back as Animal House was to us. So though Animal House was funny and, and Belushi was the best and all of that, uh, it was just a little unrelatable. Um, you know, watching Otis, Otis Knight, uh, you know, playing and, and the, the, the racist undertones and all the things that were going on in, at that time, uh, you know, the toga parties and all of that, that was just like a little different than, uh, than what our generate, how our generation partied and everything, you know, then that was American pie and can't hardly wait. Uh, so this was, this is generation. So, um, I, I think it might resonate very well to younger people. Maybe I've just seen too many movies like this. It, it's just uh, another, another rollout to me. Yeah, dude. Oh man, I'm kind of getting depressed right now. Are we really at that age where we start after viewing movies through the lens of like what the kids would like? <laughs> like well, I, this was a movie that was that, that genuinely played into like that's the thing about this movie. This wasn't just a horror movie or a action movie or a love story or something like literally the sandbox in which this movie plays in is the, the high school, you know, graduation scene. And so mm. it's going to hold a mirror up to you real quick and show you what <laughs> high school graduation is nowadays and how far away you are from it, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of funny because it does. I did. I did remark to myself a couple times that the school feels like the realization of the high school from the 21 jump street remake, like come to life. <laughs> like it was parody in that movie. And this is just like, Oh no, this is the future realized. That's exactly how it is. Now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and you're the four, you're the, you're the yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm trying like to one strap it when in. everyone's two strapping it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I literally have in my notes three times, uh, probably separating the three act structure, almost uh, directly, uh, it says, I'm old, I'm old, I'm old and high school sex is awkward. Yes. So those are the three. (laughs) So one thing I will say that I I like that they did. So uh, they, rather than have the Molly character be kind of like the pushover type, she is okay in sort of confronting the kids. So I guess what sort of really starts the movie and kicks it into gear is when she gets that encounter in the bathroom And she hears the other kids talking shit about her. And so she goes to, like, approach them. And she's like, you guys may have had all these parties and had all this fun, blah, 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 blah. But, like, I'm going to, you know, Yale, Princeton, Harvard, whatever. And then immediately we see that uh, all of the other kids that did party and have a good time are also getting into prestigious colleges. Or else they're getting really strong um, opportunities right out of the gate for careers. And Ryan, I actually do have a clip of this scene of uh, her catching them in the act and setting up the film. So let's go ahead and listen to that real quick. We'll come back and pick it up here in a moment. Wait, are you guys talking about Molly Davidson? Yeah. Yeah. That girl is so weird. She always acts like she's like 40. I wish she was fucking 40, man. Women in their 40s know themselves. No, <laughs> she's cute. You know, yeah, I give her that, but she'd probably make you quiz on her SAT analogies while you fuck her. Dude, no, her vagina's probably stuffed with diplomas. How much you want to bet? That shit's like a filing cabinet down there. <laughs> well, I got no problem with a filing cabinet. I would make passionate 
sex to Molly Davidson. Really? Yeah, I just put it back over her personality. <laughs> Molly's <laughs> yeah. it. like a butter face for personality. A oh. butter personality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah. What? Oh. Oh, please do not stop on my account. You know what? My badge is stuffed with diplomas. Soon it's going to be stuffed with job offers and glowing profiles and commendations from the governor. So while you guys were all studying AP hand jobs, I was kicking ass and busting curbs. And I'm going to continue to do that at Yale next year. So I like my choices. And wherever you three are next year, I hope you do too. I'm going to Yale too. What? I'm incredible at hand jobs, but I also got a 1560 on the SATs. No, you didn't. I got in early. To Yale. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, um, Tanner, where are you going to school? Uh, I'm, I'm playing soccer at Stanford. Stanford University? <laughs> what are you guys talking about? That's... No, yeah, mm -hmm. Stanford. Stanford mm -hmm. University. Hey, I'm not going to college. I got recruited to go code for Google. I mean, it's not Apple, but... The bennies are pretty tight, man, and it's mid-six figures, so I'm not complaining. Oh boy. I'm so proud of you. Oh boy. It's amazing. Hey, you failed the seventh grade twice. Rule of threes. You guys are serious? Mm-hmm. Hey, um, I might pretend like I don't know you next year. No offense. <laughs> this, this isn't possible. You guys don't even care about school. No. We just don't only care about school. So Ryan, in terms of uh, plot devices, there, what what did you think? Like, was it effective? Did you find yourself invested in these girls' pursuits of trying to have a good time? Did 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 the general story structure even work for you, or did you have an issue with that as well? <laughs> well, Jason, it's funny you make, mention this because uh, the, you, it's funny you use the word invested because I seriously counted uh, over three million dollars in high, in college debt amassed by these poor high school students <laughs> going through and recapping what universities are all going to. It's uh, definitely a I'm rich kid school. I'm going to Yale. I'm like, dink, dink, dink. I started like looking up the, uh, the, the tuition and like what, you know, average tuition for Yale. average tuition for, And yeah, I think I tallied up just in what they spoke of uh, about $3 million in, in college debt. So yeah, that um, trends. Yeah. Uh, as far as, uh, the plot device, yeah. as far as the plot device, um, I mean, again, dude, uh, same old song and dance. We're leaving high school one last night. I feel like it's always a party and always one night. Like that's kind yeah. of the deal, whether it's 16 candles and the kid holding up the undies at the end, you know, like showing that he got laid, uh, that he borrowed from Molly Ringwald, uh, super bad. They had to get the beer, you know, McLovin, the whole mm -hmm. thing, the Tide bottles, all of that. Uh, and can't hardly wait. That was a, 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 all centered around getting to a party. Uh, even Dazed and Confused was all centered around getting to a party. Uh, going back to Link, Link later, Dicky Links. Uh, I, I just feel like <laughs> the it's legendary Dicky Links. I hope that trends. Dickie by Links, the way, uh, anybody that's listening, hashtag Dicky Links. Okay, let's get this going, man. We want to make it. We want. Hey, we want Mr. Linklater himself to personally reach out and be like, "Hey, stop with the <laughs> shitty nickname." I, I wish uh, you know. Maybe one day we'll have T-shirts or, or stickers or something. <laughs> that can be one. So. 
um yeah i i feel like it's always a party always one night to get there always trying to recap and like oh you know we have one more night to do this thing you know and what that does is that establishes your ticking clock as a plot device Mm -hmm. um it, it you know gives you something to work towards as a finish line that your characters must achieve uh, and then you get to put hurdles in their way um, and then play out these little vignettes or these little scenes. And, and uh, again, you know, this isn't anything new. Uh, we've seen this many times before. Some are effective. I love Jason Sudeikis as the Uber driver. Um, and going back to my earlier point, this was, uh, you know, one of those, hey, let's face it. Uber was not around when we were kids, Jason. So yeah. to put Jason Sudeikis as an Uber driver, you know, that's like kids oh i could relate you know uber the ubers are in this (laughs) cell phones cell phone chargers you know like that never would have that whole scene and that and the cab uh with the porn playing and all of that would never have even uh played into any of our earlier films so there are some new updated jokes uh some new takes on some things but um yeah uh to answer your question directly uh of course it worked because it's worked you know, 20 other times before. And so, yes, as a plot device, it did work um, again. Yeah. Well, the one thing I will say is it may have worked from a technical standpoint, but honestly, like, maybe it was because it's been done so many times, but I didn't really care, you know? And I think it's to your point, like, what's the big deal about having to have this one night? Like, you you girls are about to go to college. You're going to have plenty of opportunities to party. Like, I promise you, right? Like, and they're going to be a lot cooler and you're not going to get arrested for doing so. So, uh, you know, again, just the whole pursuit of just like, oh, we have to get to this party. Oh, we have to get to this party. And I don't know. I just, again, didn't really care. I still liked them along the way. I enjoyed being around them and their personalities and their relationship was cute. But I didn't really care about their pursuit. One thing I will say that I liked, though, no. Ryan, is uh, the soundtrack. Soundtrack was was awesome. You know, and, and maybe Dude, it's like, I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> you know, Dan, the automator did this soundtrack. I did. I was going to ask you if you knew his work. Dude, he's awesome. I'm a big Dan fan. Absolutely. Yep. Same, so, man. Uh, yeah, handsome you know, boy modeling I, I would school. Think cool that, uh, Keith. This is a guy that's done a lot absolutely. of cool work. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think he's even worked with the gorillas, right? Didn't he do some stuff with the gorillas? Anyways. He, yeah, um, no, he did. Actually, kids but Ryan, days, hold on. Before you do, I'm going to ask you of this. Have you ever heard of the project Got a Girl? No. I hadn't either, and I was shocked to find this. This is actually going to be a nice little tie-in here. Got a Girl is a side project, a one-off that Dan the Automator did in 2014 with drum roll, please, one Miss Mary Elizabeth Winstead of Swiss Army Man and Scott Pilgrim what? fame. She sings what? and he does the music production, and it's not bad. It's actually pretty good, and she's got a really nice voice. Wow. She does kind of like a almost kind of like a sultry jazz kind of thing a little bit, and like yeah, it, it really That's works. I was shocked. Kind of a hearkening back to her uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, fun fun little tie in there. And like I said, I didn't realize that she sang, but she sings very well. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of fun Dig party it. music. Got some really good tracks there. And uh, the other yeah. cool thing that was that was a lot of fun was, I don't know. So you were out here in Los Angeles for a while, obviously, when we went to film school and, and for a while thereafter. I, I don't really know. I don't remember where exactly you considered like the stomping grounds of the time if you kept it to Hollywood but did you really go into the valley too much 
little bit here and there. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is a movie where if because because I live in the valley, basically San Fernando Valley or border of San Fernando, Los Angeles County. And if you're familiar with the valley, like this is one of those things almost like, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood where there are a lot of sort of like valley stalwart locations where if okay. you're from the area, you recognize that. So, for example, got it. The uh, the the pizza place that the uh, the the delivery guy works at, where they they uh, end yep, up picking yep. right. It was it's this place called Lido's Pizza, and it's like it, it's either in Canoga Park or North Hollywood. It's right in that area. But like my wife, like grew up on like that pizza, right? Like so, it's it's uh, <laughs> and then the uh, <laughs> the jail at the end is actually the Glendale Jail, and don't ask me why I'm so familiar with that, but. Uh, did recognize that right away and uh (laughs) so yeah but there's a lot of really um fun locations like i said north hollywood glendale pasadena all these sorts of places and if you're from that area it's kind of fun to watch like i have actually have the same thing i live in a place called sunland which has a little bit of a of of a rednecky vibe and accordingly they should don't give away your location the fans Ah, will come and drive to your driveway oh no our four listeners are gonna come and hunker down like no uh uh accordingly uh they film a lot of sons of anarchy here like a lot of sons of anarchy here and so uh (laughs) yeah but again it's just it's always fun to watch and be like oh my god that's you know blah 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 avenue and then this and that no i take that street all the time that's oh that's why it was closed down or that's why i saw that trailer with the camera on it the other day um obviously they don't film it anymore but you know yeah so um pretty fun just to kind of notice those things like i said if you're familiar with the valley at all yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to live in uh, in Burbank area, and uh, there's a lot of stuff. That, I mean, I remember, what was it, the Tahitian Inn or whatever it is, where they filmed uh, True Romance uh, that was just around the street. Tahunga was, uh, and all that area, I don't know. It was uh, There was a lot of little locations where you could recognize a lot of stuff from Tarantino films as well around that area. Like, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I mean, you know, he films a lot in Pasadena. That's where I believe he grew up, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, but getting back to the film, man. So, uh Moving forward, you know, the girls are going to go try to find this party. It's, uh, I forget the name of the guy, but there's like the one party that they're trying to get to. And so they end up calling Jared because they think that he's going to take them to that party. But he ends up taking him to his party. And it's this yacht party. By the way, here's the thing, dude. Like, and I think this was trying to play against type to my point earlier, like the rich kid throwing an awesome rich kid party and literally not one person being there. I understand we're not in the realm of realism here, but I mean, come on, man. Like that was a kick ass party. dude. There would have been a bunch of people there just taking advantage. Like they, they go too far with his character. Like I get what they were trying to do, but it really just. Uh, the degree to which he's like, because he's really not that bad of a guy, you know, it's kind of like we were, when we talked about no. wild strawberries where it's like, oh, they make him out to be this horrible guy. And you're just like, I don't know. He seems fine. Like Jared doesn't really seem, I mean, he seems kind of douchey, but it doesn't seem like a bad no, guy. He just tries too hard. Yeah. Again, Seth Green did the same thing and can't hardly wait. It was the same character where it was just like he was trying too hard and people just didn't really to you know vibe on that and they all knew who he was by name when he walked into the into the classroom with his own uh face which actually was a pretty funny scene yeah that was <laughs> he had himself <laughs> on his shirt and the little uh-huh. baby chair on the little shirt <laughs> i like that but um but yeah everybody knew who he was they're all like go away jared and like everybody knew uh so yeah to know that i mean unless they've just done it so many times like if they partied on his million dollar yacht they're like oh ho hum 
But uh, yeah, I don't know. Everybody in this was pretty well to do though, because yeah. when they went to the theater, the theater kid party, like that was a fancy pants house. That was that was no slouch. To your point earlier, everybody goes to the super expensive colleges you know like i said we get the sense it's a rich kid yeah because everybody says princeton harvard yale you know right, SC, right whatever yeah i mean no one went to uh you know you uc sunland or uh you know I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> like, you'd think some kids would Dude, go to community college or something we nope. don't even get a community college here bro you think we're gonna get a fuck UC you yeah bleed? right your, your options are stanford yale harvard fucking, they're all ivy league schools yeah that's it now, the other character that we're introduced to at this yacht party, and I definitely want to get your take on this one, this chick Gigi that just shows up randomly, and I think she's supposed yeah. to be on drugs, and she ends up giving them, like, the drug-dipped strawberries uh, that they end up tripping on yep. later at the... What What did you think of that character? Like, did you... did Was it supposed so this to be is Billy Lord. This is, uh, this is Carrie Fisher's daughter. Um, uh, and, uh, I love seeing her. I think she's fantastic. Her character was basically the definition or character embodiment of a callback, a yeah. comedic callback, wherein we just, it's just a running joke throughout the mm-hmm. film. Um, but you know, uh, it's, it's stiffler. It's, you know, there's so many things like this in other movies where, you know, you just get that character that's, uh, you know, kind of a, a stereotype or whatever and just keeps on coming back with it. Sure, but those comic relief characters that keep showing up are supposed to be, like, funny. Like, I didn't... I It's... To, to be a running joke, I didn't really think it was a joke because, again, jokes are funny and she just kept kind of showing up. Like, I felt it was more than a... More than an intentional joke running gag sort of thing. I actually felt like they used her as a crutch. They would get to a certain point right. in the script and they're like... Well, I don't really know what we should do here. And it's like, oh, well, let's just have Gigi show up yeah, out of left field and yeah. just kind of save us from not really knowing where to go how next. How does this scene end? Yeah, she's kind of like scotch tape or, or uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. grout spackle. She's the duct tape of book smart. There's a hole here. Let's just patch this up with her. <laughs> just patch this up with a little grout spackle and uh, you know, a little grout in between the tiles. And we'll move on to the next tile. Moving on. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um it's nice to know that you could do that uh, still in Hollywood that, you know, if we ever write something and uh, I can't get myself out of that, you know, out of a certain scene, just bring a character in, bring a silly <laughs> character in. Look over here. Do the dance. OK, I'm on drugs. <laughs> She's <laughs> the shiny the object scene. that you use to distract. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. I'm crazy. Here's some strawberries. I'm jumping off a boat. Okay, next scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from there, we get the funny scene that we discussed earlier where the principal does pick them up. And because at this point, Amy's still pine- pining for Ryan, Molly suggests that it would probably be a good idea to go ahead and watch some porn so that she can have an idea of what it is to have sex because they're obviously both virgins and haven't really done anything like that. So when they go to watch it, the principal ends up, uh, you know, clicking it over into the radio and and blasting it out. And so that was that was a funny moment. And then, like I said, from there, we end up at what we think is the party, but it ends up being the murder mystery party with the two drama kids, which, you know, they were funny, but underused and they weren't really real characters like you just had them acting dramatic or whatever. Like, you could have taken them out of the movie. It would have been just fine. You could have taken this whole scene, really, out of the whole movie 
and it would have been fine. Like, I did think it was a bit of a wasted opportunity. The one thing that I do think they did well is that animated scene where they do trip out and then they turn into the, the action figures and the dolls. That part was really funny. But, I mean, you could have had them in the park and still done that sequence. It really wasn't too motivated by them being at this murder mystery party. So that seemed like a yeah. little bit of a waste uh, well, of opportunity. Well, I mean, the, the whole thing was motivated by them being fed drugs and being drugged, correct? Like that was, and So that could have easily happened even at the yacht party where yeah. they met Jared. And that... So the, the Jared yacht party did need to exist because in the end, uh, you know, uh, Molly and, and Jared end up together in mm-hmm. some way, shape, or form. So, um, you know, they, need, they needed that pulling apart of that scene to bring them back together and make that more impactful later. But you're right. The theater kids or the drama kids scene didn't really need to happen other than to um, kind of take us on a full tour. And again, this happens in a lot of films like this where you get the full run through of all the stereotypes and little clicks of a high school. That's kind of why this exists is to give a little tip yeah. of the hat and an acknowledgement so that when you're younger and you watch this, you could be, you could see yourself in the film represented in some way like, Ooh, it's a full well-rounded high school uh, film where, Oh, there's the theater kids. There's the nerds. There's this, there's that, you know, and, and everybody, there's the jocks, you know, and everybody acts to type and everybody feels represented or knows someone who is like that and fits into that mold. So that by the end of the film, you felt like you were on a little tour of a high school and ta-da. So I think that's really the only reason to your point, uh, why the theater kid stuff exists, but yeah, the, the, the doll stuff was cool. Um, but it was still just a, a drug scene. Like, I feel like I've, there's been so many like, oh, I'm tripping out, man. I'm on drugs. <laughs> I don't know. I've taken a lot of drugs and I don't remember like ever really feeling like I was a, a Ken doll or a Barbie doll or anything oh. like that to, to that level. You just but, weren't, uh, so weren't doing the right drugs apparently, bro. I guess, yeah. The, the have you are you on that Mattel, bro? Are you on that Hasbro? <laughs> <laughs> like, damn, damn, I got that Hasbro. You want some? <laughs> <laughs> now, real quick you before we continue, dip, bro, I do have a clip of that <laughs> sequence. I do actually really like that sequence. I'm gonna play it for the listeners here, real quick. Let's hear the two girls tripping out, thinking they are Barbie dolls, and we'll come back. What the fuck? What is happening? Why do you look like that? Uh, Molly, you're a fucking doll. No, you're a fucking doll. What? Ow! Fuck! That hurt! Uh, My boobs are too heavy. I have no core. Our legs don't bend. They're twice as long as our torsos. These proportions are insane. Where's my chub? Wait, where are you going? Wait for me. I have to see for myself. Well, I've never done the splits in my life. Uh, uh, Amy! Help, Molly, help me. Oh my god, don't look down, Amy, no. I, I, I can't reach. You have to put my heel in your hole. My heel? Your heel in my what? Your hole. What hole? Your cord hole. Oh. Fuck. Molly! Oh my god. Am I wearing? Where's my badge? Uh, Molly, I have no genitals. How do I pee? How do I shit? I mean, I don't even have nipples. These are just mounts. My whole body's like a fucking dolphin. Just, just perfect, round, 
Huge mouths. What? Look at my body. I am beautiful. No, don't get sucked in. This is our nightmare, Amy. I know this is unrealistic and bad for women, but is it bad? Because I feel pretty good. I mean, this ass won't quit. Amy, use your brain. I don't need to use my brain. I just need to be smooth and flexible. Look at you, you bad bitch. Okay, that's it. We have to wake up. My, my, my. Hmm. I think I might, like, actually stay here for a while. No, I won't let you do it. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop You need to throw up. Let me have this body. So again, Ryan, a fun scene, but it didn't really, I guess maybe the only reason it had to happen at the murder mystery is so that they can have the whole sequence with the bookshelf and everything that happens right there. But you could have easily done it anywhere else. Like I said, I think it was mostly just to kind of keep the story moving so it didn't really get too stagnant staying in one location. And then from there we also get, it's kind of the same thing. It's a funny scene, but it's just sort of like, it just feels very convenient and a little bit maybe unnecessary. Obviously it sets up the ending, but I'm talking about the scene where they do uh, end up getting in the car with the pizza man and they kind of stage like they're going to, rob him but they really just want the address to where he's delivering the pizzas which by the way ryan uh this is at graduation time like there there really is only going to be one house party going on at senior graduation time that they're going to hold up this one pizza guy and he's going to be the only pizza guy bringing pizzas to the the house party like what are the odds (laughs) it seems like you could have used that to set up going to a different house or something but they're just like oh this guy's got 10 pizzas clearly he's going to the party no one else could be having a party it was really convenient yeah i mean i i do get it they saw the pizza the name of the pizza shop in the uh social media video instagram video whatever that someone from that party had posted that they knew uh, so they knew to go to that pizza shop. Um, it was, you know, supposedly a small little mom and pop pizza place. So how many, uh, you know, major parties could they be servicing? Uh, I get it. Um, I don't know, man. Um, to me, that's like the smallest, uh, uh I'm not going to start like that's You're not going to get me nitpicking about stuff like that just because <laughs> I, I had so many problems with this movie and I wasn't. Here, here's the thing, man. This movie, to me, was not very funny. Uh, I think we kind of started by talking about that, but it's worth mentioning now that we're most of the way through the film. um, This movie did not make me laugh very much, and it was supposed to be a comedy. So I felt like I'd seen it all and heard it all before, um, and I was just kind of bored with it. So, um, you know, looking for plot holes and stuff like that, I I was kind of over it by this point. I was like, just kind of, I get it. Let's get to the part. I think that's probably why I'm uh, a I think that's probably why I'm picking it apart a little bit is because I think probably I wasn't sort of laughing enough, you know, and so it's like, okay, well, if you're not going to, you know, distract me with a bunch of yucks, I'm going to start looking a little bit closer at what else is going on here. And, you know, some of those holes might come out a little bit. I actually like I said, I did think it was a funny scene, the scene that we're discussing right here, which I have a clip of as well. We'll go ahead and play that for people in just a second. Um, And like I said, I do think it's it's a funny scene, but. It just doesn't really add up to too much of anything. So so let's go ahead and listen to that scene real quick, and then we'll come back and address what I feel are a couple of the more troublesome aspects of this film. 
fucking morons. Shit, shit, shit. Is this some Manson family shit? What is this? No! No! Everything is gonna be just fine. You're just gonna give us the address to where you delivered some pizzas tonight. Oh my god, are you guys out of your fucking mind? How old are you, by the way? Does not matter! Okay, that voice did not make you sound older. So you're basically children, and you just willingly got in the car of a strange man. Do you guys have a weapon? Yes. If we claim to have a weapon, this might be a felony. Okay, so you're using your hair as a mask and trying to rob someone with no weapon. Because the funny thing is, I actually have a weapon. I keep that to protect myself from bad people. Something you guys should be thinking about. Did the, did the possibility of sexual assault ever enter your minds? Not really. Yeah, not really. I can tell. You were spending more time on, like, the hair and that, that whole part of it, maybe. Yeah. Because we're like... Right by the freeway, I could have you across the state line in like 40 minutes, take you to some cabin, hog tie your ankles, leave you in a room with like a saucer of milk and videotape the whole thing for a couple days. Huh? What? Think that, about that. What? No, I'm not gonna think about We just need you to give us the address to where you deliver this huge order tonight. Oh, shit. That... <sighs> okay. You know what? Let me give you the address. I feel like if I don't, you guys are so stupid, some dog walker's gonna find your bodies tomorrow under some overpass. Okay. Don't show me your passcode! Oh, that's fair. Okay, I'm sorry. That's just the keep, whole thing with passcodes. I'm just gonna copy, I'm just copying the address. That's your private information. Thank you! Thank you so much! Oh my god. Um, quick cue. Now that we're already in your car, would you mind driving us there? Yeah, why not? Oh, I'm being sarcastic. Get the fuck out of oh, my car. Thank you so much. Sam. Don't trust people. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, Ryan. So after this scene, which again, super funny, but after this scene, they end up calling Miss Fine. And this is the character who's played by Jessica Williams. She's a younger teacher, but she's still, you know, at least in her late 20s, early 30s, something like that. And, uh, she ends up going into the party after she drops them off. And what did you think about that whole thing, Ryan? First off, if you had reversed genders and had a male go in to hawk the party and end up being flirted with by a female that... Uh, did they hook up, by the way? The long-haired... Uh, yeah, they do, man. Like, they talk about... Like, he says the next day, like, oh, I really like that. Can we do that again? So, like, the insinuation is that the teacher clearly banged a high school student and I'm no prude, but right. I just, it seems like it doesn't really, cause you know, it's got this sort of millennial Gen Z vibe where it's trying to be, I think a little bit more, I don't know, advanced or forward or something like that. So it felt weird that they would do that just because I kind of felt the same way. Like you talk, like it maybe feels a little bit different because it's, it's, you know, the woman playing the teacher character. So it feels maybe less predatory in that respect. But like, once you kind of take a step back, it's really not. So I, I thought that was weird. It's not, no, it's not. And furthermore, uh, you know, you see some of these things in older, in these older films, like, okay, we talked about, 
some of these older films that this is like. And you have movies like Sixteen Candles. And um, if you do you remember the uh, the uh, the Asian kid, uh, you know, uh, yeah, Dong, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. On all the dong jokes, dong. Where's my automobile? You know, automobile. Yeah, really, it's just, all, you know, played Asian out. stereotype. Very, jokes. very Mickey Rooney. You know, uh, almost <laughs> way over the top, <laughs> to a point where it's like borderline offensive. But we yeah. give it a, a, a somewhat of a pass because of the times and oh, you know, we didn't know then, even though we kind of did. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and so, but aren't we supposed to be kind of like uh, woke now and a yeah. little understanding? We're supposed to be further where, along. Hey, maybe Jessica Williams shouldn't bang a high school kid and. Part. <laughs> like, cool. There's still high school kids. If this was a college party, I would I would look at this differently. If this was, uh, you know, Animal House, got away with a lot of that because it was a college fraternity and sororities, and these things happen. Uh, you know, uh, technically these guys are all 18 to 22 years old, and you know, hypothetically. So you know, the drinking and the drug use and all of that. But uh, to have a sexual encounter with. Uh, with a teacher in high school is, you know, even though that probably does happen, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. quite, you know, frequently, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was an odd, I thought it was an odd choice. Yeah. It was an odd choice for, for what the film tried to be up to that point. I thought just, just to, to what we were talking right. about earlier. Yeah. It didn't really seem to, to match up with, like I said, like trying to be this sort of like elevated, high school comedy well, because our main thing. character is a lesbian we deal with you know homosexuality a lot in the film and mm-hmm. and uh you know um it seems to be a very mature uh film the way it handles a lot of things it, there was never any uh you know snickering or or you know uh jokes or puns about really being gay or anything it, you know it handled uh everything very maturely and and yeah. um until that moment and that's why i kind of thought it kind of stood out to me i actually have it in my notes like wait what <laughs> is that cool now yeah I yeah the same cool, <laughs> so you know they do end up making it to the party like i said by way of this miss fine character and then you know amy does end up clicking with ryan and molly ends up clicking with nick who's you know like the popular high school sort quarterback sort and of course, you know, our main character is going to have a relationship and it kind of seems like both of them are going to end up with the people that they're pining after. But then Amy goes for a swim and ends up, which that was kind of a, a bit of a weird scene initially, like because we, we've pretty much strictly been in the lane of comedy up to this point. And then all of a sudden she like dives in the pool and it gets really like Daniels-y. It felt like a felt like a scene from Swiss Army Man where the music and the visuals became really overwrought and overwrought and slow motion and all of a sudden just took on a different vibe and then from there, you know, we get the reveal that Nick and Amy are together and then, you know, she runs inside and then they end up fighting. So all of a sudden we get a really quick turn into sort of dramatic territory, which isn't necessarily a yeah. bad thing, but it did just kind of happen like super suddenly, I thought. And it so, was a beautiful scene, though, in the pool. All that underwater stuff was done really cool. From here, the movie kind of takes an odd turn. You're right. It goes to drama, uh, dramedy, if you want to call it that, from slapstick comedy real quick. Um, I feel like movies like American Pie um, and Can't Hardly Wait have those moments kind of interlaced within the film where mm-hmm. this movie kind of didn't. It yeah. was slapstick comedy all the way through. Uh, started off a little serious. Um Maybe there's some moments, you know, oh, we're going off to college, a little nostalgic. But once it leaves the gates and we're into act two, act two is all 
supposedly I didn't laugh very hard, but supposedly, <laughs> you know, slapstick comedy. And then we get into this and you're you, like you said, you're thrust into this these dramatic moments. Um, and that's that's kind of that this takes us to the love scene in the bathroom. And uh, uh, the, the, it was so jarring to me. Uh, I know you want to talk about this. I'll let you set it up. Well, yeah. So, you know, and and I did appreciate the artistic flourishes as well, like the way that they start fighting and it just sort of circles around them and eventually the dialogue just drops off, but we still see them sort of fighting. Like that was a really nice sort of artsy flourish there. And then, yeah, from there, Amy runs to the bathroom. She ends up finding this girl there uh, by the name of Hope. And at first they're sort of fighting about things, but then there's a mutual attraction and all of a sudden they start making out and yeah, they progress to almost having sex uh, right there on the bathroom floor. And yeah, man. So I don't know if it's just one of these things where I'm getting older. Like you said, I actually do have a daughter. My daughter's 15. So she's like these girls ages. I don't know if that factors in or not, but uh, I just know that, yeah, watching high school students have sex in movies anymore is really uncomfortable for me, dude. And it sounds like it was the same for you anymore like at what point did we ever uh, this was pretty graphic like they were they just i think they just took it too far where uh, they could have really easily alluded to this ha- happening um i get it you know uh there were some comedic moments of uh, the whole thing is to get us to the point where amy throws up on the she's hooking up with yeah. the popular girl in the school she has a chance she wanted um you know, uh, kind of a little more of the uh, the skater chick or whatever, uh, the um, a little bit of the outsider that she had a crush on the whole film. This was her, you know, that she was in search of. And then we find out that she, that her crush and um, uh, Molly's crush were together in the pool. And so mm-hmm. that, that's kind of weird in and of itself that both their crushes would have ended together. But it did kind of button that whole point up pretty succinctly. Uh, so then Amy runs away, kind of upset after the fight with Molly, uh, Molly not knowing what Amy knows. Um, so, and then Amy ends up in the bathroom with the popular girl in school, uh, and has a chance to hook up with her and, uh, and does so. And then eventually throws up on her, uh, to comedic effect. But to get us to that point, uh, there is several, maybe, uh, maybe I'm not being mature about this, but it's just kind of in this day and age with everything going on. I, it just seems kind of, it made me really, cause it just kept going. And I was watching this with friends and we were all kind of like looking at our <laughs> phones at this point, like trying not to look at the screen. And, um, you know, in all fairness, uh, I believe, um, the character or the uh, actress that played Amy was, you know, in her early twenties at the time. Sure. So, you could kind of watch it guilt-free <laughs> if you wanted to go down that road mentally. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they, they've led us to believe that this is a high school character. And we are in high school. And here we are watching two high school women, like, go to town. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I no, I, I, and here's the thing, dude. For me, again, like, I mean, it's not overly graphic. Like, they do stay underwear the whole time. And, you know, but... They do take their time with it. I do think this is probably something where they were trying to make a statement, you know, like, okay, well, if we're going to have all of these sex scenes between, you know, men and women, why not have a sex scene between two women? And, you know, I mean, I mean, you taking a step back, you know, it's very reasonable. And I support it. You know, I just think I'm too old to partake in it. But but that's just that's that's just 
Yeah, that's the that, horse shit of our culture where I would watch, you know, uh, McLovin uh, in Superbad uh, have sex, you know, with somebody and not really think anything of it. Or, uh, you know, uh, uh, the scenes in Animal House or, you know, any number of th- there's a lot of sex scenes, you know, yeah. uh, that would that don't make. But this one just went felt like it was a little too intimate and a, it, it was. Just went on a little too long. I think that was the difference. Like it wasn't really like a, I'm oh. glad you thought the same. Yeah, it wasn't. I one thought of those... it was just me. And I was like, do I need to handle this this topic more maturely? Is this a me thing? Like, do, <laughs> I mean, I that's still me. Maybe both of us may need to handle this maturely. But I don't know. I'd like to be completely <laughs> honest, like my my wife felt the same way about it. And I, I really do think it's just because, okay. look, dude, here's the thing, man. If you and I were in high school, this scene would have been on loop a lot during off hours. OK, <laughs> I'm telling you, we can both admit that right now as as someone who who played a lot of scenes from Boogie Nights over and over and over in high school. <laughs> OK, I can tell you I would have looped the shit out of this. OK, but. Again, at being where I'm at now, you know, again, and honestly, I'm glad that you said it, too, because I was wondering how much of it played into the fact that I do have a daughter that's right about this girl's age or the way she's portrayed in the film. Um, and I don't really you know, I didn't really think of, of like, oh, think of my daughter doing that, like when I was watching the movie. So I didn't really think it was that. Um, like I said, I think it's just we're older, dude. And and maybe too, you know, probably some of that has to do with maybe some of the more advanced expectations out of, well, let's be frank, like, like males in society these days, you know, like we, we kind of know like, okay, yeah, no, it's not cool to be, you know, the, the 40 year old plus dude that's like hitting on high school chicks, right? Like that guy's gross. So I can't be that guy. So I've kind of conditioned myself to find this unappealing. Maybe there's some element of that there or something. Yeah, I, mm. I I didn't even have to condition. It just kind of <laughs> happened uh, over yeah, time. Yeah, no, it wasn't a, it wasn't uh, like oh, I'm gonna make sure that I'm not a, like attracted to these two <laughs> young girls. Like I was sitting there like a clockwork oranging it, like with you know things holding my eyes open and wifey administering <laughs> eye drops while I decondition myself to not be attracted to young women. Nothing like that. Just saying, it made me uncomfortable as it did you. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. I mean, it's been years uh, since I had that car battery hooked up to my testicles to teach me not to do this sort of thing. Uh, I, just use a, I just use an electric dog collar anymore, you know, just like I set up the boundaries and then just <laughs> stack. Right. Yeah, right. Stay, stay away. Stop thinking the bad thoughts. Um, <laughs> Was the, yeah. the V chip South Park, right? so it's uh this is kind of where the movie wraps up after this and we start to get to the uh you know the 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 slower sentimental music and oh we're all making up and then the hot girl comes back and oh here's my number you should call me sometime you know aside (laughs) from throwing up it was pretty good (laughs) (laughs) so uh you know Molly and uh, Amy are two characters that were fighting at the party over, you know, uh, the jealousy and and crushes and all these petty things that were never going to last in the first place. Uh, Come back together in the end, a la, uh, you know, Superbad or any of the films that we've seen (laughs) before. This always happens. I'm sorry, man. Got a little carried away last night at the party, you know, yeah, so it ends up being that they set it up to where, of all people, uh, Amy is the one that ends up being apprehended by the cops. She's, for some reason, the only girl that ends up getting 
uh, snagged. And then despite the fact that it's a sort of senior graduation party, they still decide to jail her up and go through that whole thing. Molly has to get a ride home from the party from AAA, and they have a really sort of nice little conversation about stereotypes and this and that. But at that point, again, I'm just kind of ready for it to be over. Molly goes and visits Amy in jail, and it seemed like a pretty, by the way, unfair trade. So in exchange for getting her best friend out of jail, who is in there because she went to a high school graduation party, she gives them the info of who a serial killer is. <laughs> and I just feel like she left money on the table in that exchange. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so after, yeah, awesome. uh, after I didn't she... even pick up on that, but you're absolutely right. They're like, oh, I know how to fix this. <laughs> so uh, again, super convenient. Uh, they get, you know, they get back to the graduation. Molly gives the valedictorian speech. She ends up realizing that she likes this Jared guy all along and they kiss. And uh, again, like you say, just sort of checking off the trope boxes. We wrap up the film where Molly takes Amy to the airport to drop her off. They have a little heart to heart and then she's about to leave. But then she jumps back in, says, let's get pancakes. We got time. Movie's over, and so is our interest in it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, Ryan, so we've talked a lot about this film. Uh, one of the things that our A lot about been... this film. Yeah, we've been going on. This is a long episode. I feel like the more uh, you and I talk, you know, before we start rolling and we just kind of shoot the shit a little bit, and... Uh, the more both of us say we don't have much to say about this film, the longer we go on about that <laughs> film. So, yeah, uh, I think it's because know. we allow ourselves to just go on these sort of tangents because it's like, ah, there's not too much to talk about the film here. So, like, oh, this is interesting. Like, let's go down this road, right? And then Fuck 12 this film. minutes Here's later, we shit. haven't even Listen started to me talk about my stuff. <laughs> and then 12 minutes later, we haven't even started talking about the film yet. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, we're trending right where we always are. Our, our half episodes are about an hour 15 usually, which is about what this one's shaping up to be. So we're right there, man. But uh, yeah, I am surprised too because every single time it's like I'll literally text you. I don't know, dude. I'm worried about this episode. We're not feeling like there's not going to be too much to talk about. And then now we have to cut it short because we're running long. So <laughs> three hours later. Ryan, let's go ahead and wrap this up as we do with three adjectives, sir. What you got for me? Uh, uh, I don't know, man. I just put charmingly predictable. It's charmingly predictable and fun. It is a fun. It's fun. It's a fun romp. Um, it is predictable. It is very charming. It's all three of those things. And I give it a C plus. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Ryan giving something a C plus. Hold on. Let's can we go back? Anybody listening? Do you recall if Ryan's ever given any of our films a C plus before? I don't know. This might be the first, probably all of them might be the first time you've hit us up with a C plus. I don't, I don't know. We're yeah, going to have to look into yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, I actually had one of the same that you did. Uh, I, I did have charming. It is a very charming movie. It is filled with charming actors, whether it's the two leads, whether it's the cameos from those SNL alumni that we love. It's a charming movie, but ultimately it's a light movie. There's just not really a whole lot to it. Uh, and granted, you know, it's a comedy, so it doesn't have to be filled with all sorts of substance, but just felt like 
they left a lot on the table, and ultimately, it's forgettable. And that's ultimately its biggest sin. It was one of those movies where it's, you know, just a perfectly sort of average, mediocre experience. You know, it's not good, not bad. You know, it's vanilla. It's whatever you want to call it. But it was forgettable. I mean, even even before I started putting together the notes for this program, like, I had to go back and sort of jog my memory and remember the scenes because it was just one of those movies where, for whatever reason, it doesn't stick in your head as clearly. And I think maybe it was just because of, ultimately, a lack of interest. So... In that regard, I gave it three stars. Because I feel like it's just a perfectly three-star experience. You don't love it. You don't hate it. It's fine. Out of five? Yeah, three stars out of five. You know, it's it's it, it's fine. So is three star, isn't three stars the C plus of stars? I, I don't know, man. I think, C plus of no, stars. see, because I feel like, I feel like C plus and like C plus B minus cusp is three and a half stars. That's kind of where I have it. Because a C, a C is in between an A and an F. It's a perfect middle ground, right? And and this, that's the same with the C. The C is right there in the middle. If you go plus, then you've got to get that that extra half star or at least a quarter star because we do use quarter okay, stars. Okay. The plus is the half star. Yeah. So, wow. So, so I gave this a higher rating than you. You did. Yeah. I gave it. I gave it a perfect three stars. Uh, just right there in the Son middle, of a man. Bitch. I I rescind my plus. I rescind <laughs> my plus. I'm giving this a C. You gave it the Solid on my C. scale. You're at three and a half, dude. So, so you're switching C it? C plus, I think, because of Olivia Wilde, and I really wanted to like this movie uh, because, you know, I, I love her, and I love Jason Sudeikis, and I love the whole thing, uh, and I love the people in it. There's mm. a lot to like about this. The components were fantastic. I just did not like the whole outcome, <laughs> the finished result as much. Yeah, so to anybody listening, we obviously would love to hear what you think about this film. You sat here listening to An Hour and Change to us ramble on about what our different thoughts were. We'd love to hear from you. So in that regard, please do hit us up. We got a couple different ways that you can reach us. First is that we are on Twitter, at Esoterica Cinema. You can hit us up all day, any day there. If you're the type that likes to be a little bit more verbose, use a little bit more words than just the 280 characters that Twitter gives you, you can hit us up via email. We are esotericacinema at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram, and we are also on a lot of different platforms. So if, uh, you know, at first we were just on Spotify. If you're listening to this on Spotify just because you didn't think we were anywhere else, we've since expanded to Stitcher, Apple, all those different sorts of forums. So we would love it if you would subscribe and follow us and do all those sorts of things. Obviously, just word of mouth is the greatest promo that you can help us with. So, again, if you dig the show, hit us up. Let us know what you think. Like I said, I encourage you to reach out for any reason, right? Maybe you responded to something that came on this episode. Maybe Ryan or I said something that pissed you off, made you laugh. You want to confront us about it. Maybe you're out there and you've heard some news about Chris Nolan and you just want to reach out to us to say, what the hell is all this big deal with Tenant? Why don't they just release it instead of teasing us? And of course, you know, maybe you're right now at a cafe and you're enjoying just one of the best muffins that you've ever had in your life. And you just really need somebody to talk to about how delicious that muffin is. Go ahead and hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, Ryan, it looks like we are going to be back in two weeks with our full episode. And that one, if you recall, is going to be Paths of Glory from Mr. All about muffins. (laughs) And High and Low from Mr. Kurosawa. 
So we got some heavy yep. hitters there for you. Guys, loved hanging out with you today. Thanks so much for joining us. Stay tuned for a fake commercial that we got coming up, and we will see you next time on Esoterica Cinema. This is a public service announcement. Okay, Randy. See you after school. Okay, bye. Hey, kid, hold up. I've got something you might like. Check it out. What are those? They're called wild strawberries. Wild strawberries? Are they boring? Hardly. They're dipped in a combination of LSD, crystal meth, and battery acid. Battery acid? Yeah, you know, to give it that extra jolt. So, you want some? Every 17.3 minutes, one in three children is exposed to the dangers of strawberries. Don't let your children be one of them. Make sure they're prepared. Come on, kid. What are you? A chicken? I'm not a chicken. You're just a cum-guzzling asshole. What? Way to go, Randy. You're my hero. (laughs) Thanks. Hey, Randy? Yeah? What's cum-guzzling? This has been a public service announcement. From the imagination of acclaimed author Ashton McCauley comes the next great anti-hero in American fiction. His name is Nick Ventner, alcoholic by trade and monster hunter by profession. When Nick gets hired by a wealthy benefactor to find the lost gates of Shangri-La, it's up to him and his crotchety companion James to deliver the goods. The two soon find themselves on the adventure of a lifetime. And in addition to being chased by Nick's longtime rival, Manchester, they soon find themselves being hunted by a mythical and elusive yeti that has been terrorizing the Himalayas. Featuring non-stop action and an acerbic wit, Whiteout by Ashton McCauley is a thriller-minute page-turner you won't be able to put down until it's finished. You can find Whiteout in ebook, hardcover, and paperback versions online and everywhere books are sold. Published by Aberrant Literature.